This is the Primary Languages Podcast. Three, two, one. Okay, so this is the first ever PLN podcast. I'm sat here on a on a Monday evening across the table from uh, a woman who is important in my life and is important in probably a lot more people's lives than she thinks. Um, she is Janet Lloyd. She is my mum, firstly, and secondly, she is the uh, managing director, as she likes to know, of a company called Primary Languages Network, which is what this podcast is being formed from. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Will. It's quite strange to sit here like this, across the table from you, and just generally chat about Primary Languages Network and not being your mum, what you're doing next. Yeah, um, and I have plenty of questions to ask you. Okay. Uh, it's going to be a conversation about primary languages network, about you, uh-huh. um, about your philosophy behind how this has become what it is, yeah. uh, where it started and, and um, where it may go in the future. We don't know. No, we don't. Um, so the first of all, maybe let's, let's find out where we are at the moment. So okay. present day... Primary Language Network, present day Janet Lloyd. Okay, so well, present day Primary Languages Network doesn't look anything like I probably ever thought it would look. So you have to remember that when my job went effectively in 2011, I was looking at a way of continuing what we'd already achieved here in Warrington. And I began Janet Lloyd Network. Yeah, and it has now developed a Primary Languages Network. And it needed to become that because I started off with just me and a couple of local teachers, so Emily, who you work with quite often, she was one of the mainstays, Jane, Jane Dewsnip was alongside me, and there were four of us really, and we were all out teaching, so I was out teaching too, and we were teaching in primary schools, Um, I was doing some training, I was working at Manchester University as a PGC primary tutor on a 20-day contract, and to me, I thought that was it, I was just going to be able to keep hold of Warrington within Janet Lloyd Network because the jobs as um, consultants via the primary strategy had gone. I'd had the choice to go into a traded service, but I made the right decision really that I would go it alone. Um, And at the time, I think we were charging the maximum was £195 a year to be part of this network. Um, And when I look at it now, okay, we still don't charge a great deal more, but we are far more than just Janet Lloyd and a group of teachers. Um, Primary Languages Network now is is a a bigger organisation and it has a bigger reach and I think it's um, much better and quite a lot different in some ways to what it was when we first started out. I think we have adhered to the same principles. Mm. So today, I mean, what exactly do you think is if someone was to come up to you and, and ask, like I am doing now, I suppose, <laughs> what is primary languages today? Uh-huh. Not seven years ago, not eight years no. ago, but today, what, what would you define it as? We're a support service um, and we're there to support the teachers who need to be helped to understand what it is to teach primary languages and why I passionately believe it's important. But we're also there to spread the good news when we see some really excellent practice out there and to share that amongst other people. And I'm really about giving every child a chance. And I always have been about giving every child a chance, whether you're state um, educated or privately educated, whether you're poor or you're rich, every child should be given the chance to learn another language because it's mind-blowing. I mean, you yourself went off to Spain last year to learn Spanish. Mm -hmm. 
completely ab initio and I had some of the most delightful conversations with you because you were just like those teachers we work with who are not necessarily specialists who suddenly realise what an exciting learning journey it is. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So what in... Um so in, in, in that then, mm-hmm. what you're talking about, where do you find the most joy in, in your job in regards to uh, fulfilling your passion, which is obviously giving every child an opportunity to learn languages? Where, where, in what part of the job today, in your day-to-day life, are you finding it's the most enjoyable? When I receive a tweet from somebody showing what children have done, when somebody sends me a tweet like Carol Taylor from Queen's Park with a picture of a little boy in reception in St Helens, a place where I was brought up as a little girl, and he's singing in French. Wow. When I get a message from Andrea, who's working in Manchester in Claremont CP, and she tells me that there's 41 languages in that school, and now they're really loving learning Spanish together with her, and they've got their own whole school community language, Spanish. That's a wow moment. When um, a teacher, who's one of our associates tells me that a child that wasn't interested has suddenly engaged because of the type of approach we've taken to learning a specific thing, such as the robots and the commands, and suddenly some children who just weren't engaged are engaged. Or um, when we push the envelope a little bit, so like the mindfulness, I really wasn't sure about the mindfulness, and yet it's hugely successful, and the teachers really understand it in the primary schools. Okay, so I'd, I'd stop you on that point, and just for anybody that doesn't know, what you were talking about then, what what exactly would uh, are the mindfulness well, videos? Well, the mindfulness is part of a wellness pack that has been developed very much through yourself because of your PE background and also um, with the support of the primary school teachers within our associate team, the 20 teachers that are employees, because you could see that within primary school there was a move toward um, the whole package of wellness for children. And you, I know that you passionately believe in the fact that mindfulness is a very important thing in everybody's life and daily life Mm -hmm. so we created or you created a whole series of videos um, where the children practice breathing practice concentration practice meditation but it's all done in the foreign language Mm. Um, and it's become an integral part of a lot of primary classrooms at the start of a lesson using mindfulness as a way to uh, engage the children or calm the children down and they're even using it within the normal daily wellness package too. Yeah, I totally agree with what you said. Uh, just today I was observing a, a lesson um, and the teacher um, said to the class after the, the, the mindfulness how much they'd improved at it, which mm-hmm. is something that I think is important in regards to this because it isn't, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's not about the first time you do it. It's no. actually a skill they're practicing in a different language, mm-hmm. which is the fa- the, pra- the ability to go from maybe lunchtime to into work quicker and less abrasively. Yeah. So it's, it's that approach. Well, of what you said down. then about um, the fact that they're using a language to practice a really important life skill. That's what languages are about to me. I was a little girl from Wigan who knew nothing about languages, who just happened to have a mum who... My dad had died and I was looked after by Mrs Barton next door. I've told this story so many times. And she was German. And I was a baby little girl. I was about two or three. Uh, And she taught me to count in German. And I used to count Mrs Barton's boys' socks. And there were four boys. And there were seven pairs of socks. And bit by bit, I learned to count in German. And it's only now at 50-odd that I've realised actually it was a practical skill. Because she needed those socks in twos. And I was counting the socks in twos. Um, 
And I know that's a ridiculous, um, probably, example of skill-based learning, but I was learning to count for a reason. So to be doing languages for a reason and for a purpose is so important to me. And to make it primary appropriate, that is for the age of the child, is also very important. Remember, I was once a secondary teacher, and it sometimes is heartbreaking to be teaching a year seven boy six colours on a Friday afternoon. Because mm-hmm. they're just looking at me like, what are you doing, miss? Yeah. Yeah, they wanted to tell me about the football match they were going to play on a Saturday. Mm. They didn't want to be talking to me about their favourite colours because most boys at that age don't really have a favourite colour. Okay, yeah. so I, I, without creating too much divide in this question, yeah. um, what differences then when you've delivered secondary and seen and helped primary and consulted with primary, what are the differences that um, you've seen? Well, I've always said I should have been a primary school teacher. But when I did my degree in languages, what you did was you became secondary languages teachers. Uh, I had a background in English and drama, and that really helped, because even in the secondary classroom, so some of the people that I've taught in the past would say, Mrs Lloyd was just a bit strange. She didn't just teach languages on the page. I always took it off the page and made it live for them. So pupils, older pupils, always engaged with me. Um, But when I went to primary and started to work with primary, I (laughs) realised... that the world was my oyster, because it didn't all have to be done at the desk and it didn't all have to be done by a textbook and it didn't all have to be done on a piece of paper. And language learning was about so much more and all my drama and English skills kicked in. I would say that was one of the big differences. And when I work with primary school teachers, when you work in primary, they rarely say never and they rarely say we can't do that. They say we'll give it a go because they're trying to find every way of engaging with all the children in the classroom. Yeah, um, and I, I suppose that kind of segues through to uh, something I wanted to talk about, yeah. which was um, talking about the associates mm-hmm. and um, the 18 associates that we have. Maybe it could be a little, Almost 20, could, I think. Yeah. yeah, it could be a couple more by Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I've observed quite a few now, um, yeah. and you obviously know them all quite well, um, and I personally, knowing you quite well, I, I see traits of them when they're teaching and I think I often think that's how you taught or you would appreciate things being taught so I suppose now's your opportunity to kind of say what you think like say about your associates I suppose not your associates but the associates that work for Primary Language Network because I see I like to think that they use a lot of drama and a lot of art and um, a lot of performance and in the way that they teach their languages which is so powerful um, but but I think that if I have a conversation with them about you, they would often be saying this is that they would that they often inspire to teach like that through what you sort of promote, I suppose. As a yeah, well, when you were talking, I thought about somebody specifically, and I'm sure the associates won't mind me mentioning her, and you knew her too. Her name is Mar Balsara, and she worked with me as um, a language assistant when we had language assistants in Warrington. And they were working off 11.95 an hour. And she was such a talented teacher. She'd come here as British Council language assistant and wanted to stay. And Ma was my sparring partner, really. You know, we just clicked the minute we started to work together. And we would do um, counting numbers by a bear hunt. We'd have the whole of a classroom. I can see Penketh CP year two marching around the classroom with us looking for bears, freezing, frightened that the bear might approach. All these different things, just bringing drama to life. Um, 
And <coughs> I think you'll remember that I had um, a student of mine who's now become a teacher, Emma Johnson, and we won a European Languages Award for the work we did with drama in the Bridgewater High School cluster in Warrington. And again, she was somebody that I just clicked with. She had a drama coming out of her pores. And we did 3D art with Renoir. We brought the pictures to life and we still use that. And at training sometimes I'll use that. And teachers just engage. They love the fact it comes off the page. So what I do try to do is inspire the associates to make sure that the experience the children get in the classroom lives for them in that moment. So that they take it away as a, a memorable moment. Um, and I don't believe in failure. I really genuinely don't believe in failure. I believe that you've always got to keep on looking for how you can achieve. And everybody achieves at different stages and different levels and in different ways. And um, with the associates, we've got a whole range of personalities, haven't we? Mm, but each absolutely. of them brings something to the table. And I never negate the type of person they are. I just ask that however they are, whether they be really quiet or calm in the classroom or loud like myself and incredibly lively, that they think about the learning experience on that day as something special for the children. Not necessarily full of drama, but full of life and colour and memorable moments. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. I was speaking to Emily just today mm -hmm. and I was saying that I think that the associates are so important to the company because they are Hugely. because they are the live element to yeah. it. They're, they're, they're always willing to try out the, the material that's well, been made. Well, they're my connection now, aren't they, really? Because yeah. I don't teach in the classroom now. No. And Emily would say, the children often see me like grandma's coming into the classroom. It's true. You know, I'm 56 and I am getting older. And it's true. For a lot of those children now, I could be their grandma. But I, they are now my conduit to the classroom. And a lot of our new ideas, they bravely take on and use. And then we have people like Robert, for example, or Joanne or Michelle, who bring all these phenomenal new ways of doing things and we filter it through to everybody. And Emily is really important in all of this because she sort of works out what is achievable and what isn't and puts common sense on it. And yeah. explains to the associates what they can achieve. I think she definitely acts as a fantastic filter for you. Yeah, and she's a brilliant flank woman for me, and that's yeah. why she has the role she does, which is to look after the associates. Yeah. Yeah. So let's so right now we have nearly twenty associates. Yeah. When we started, or when you started Janet Lloyd Network, how many associates did Apple. you have? You had four, four and me. Yeah. And what, what in regards to resources did you have there? Pieces of paper, cards, flashcards. We used to meet around this table here in our house and I used to um, spend an hour and a half of time showing them what I wanted them to do for the next six weeks. Prior to that, when I worked for Warrington and we had language assistants, I'd meet with them at the start of the year and I'd sort of say to them, it's dead easy, just go in there and do it. And, and Robert would say to you, you know, Janet used to say, just go in there and do it. And there wasn't any resources. And I had to begin to create things. And we created something called Warrington Grid for Learning, which was helped by the IT department in Warrington and by my um, AST then, Katie Gallup. And we created a lot of materials, but it was all downloadable on pieces of paper and flashcards and long lesson plans. And that's what you had to do. Um, so and did how many schools were... Uh, was it 2011? 2011. How many schools signed up in that first well, year? Well, I had 49. 49 schools in the first year? Yeah, and we held, I started in the, um, finished in Warrington at the end of March, started at the end of April, um, and we had a conference in the end, end of May, and we have 47 turn up who were in the network, yeah. and two schools turned up who were in the network, and they signed up at the Did end they? of it. Okay. Yeah. 
Talk to me about that first, because anyone that doesn't know, um, for the last seven years, you've been hosting a primary languages conference yeah. in, in June. In June, June. Yeah. So talk to me about the first conference, what, what, who spoke, what, okay. what was there, because I, I don't know. No, no, well, it was off the back of the fact that from 2000, I'd always had a conference. So I'd always held okay. a conference. Okay. Um, and I mentioned Katie Gallup before, my primary languages AST at the time. Um, and Katie and I ran it, and we would go to the national conference and hear what they had to say and then come back and put a conference on for the teachers in Warrington. And in 2011, a lot of the schools that wanted to carry on were just like, please, Janet, don't stop the conference. But it was a different ballpark, because up to that point of time, we'd had money from the primary strategy to put the conference on. Yeah. So I had to work out how I could afford to have the conference. And I'll say that the hotel in Warrington that we used, the Statham Lodge, were incredible. They really supported me because that's where we'd always had the conference. Um, and we used to have national speakers. So I went along and said, right, I'm starting my own little business. Uh, I've got no idea about business. Uh, could I possibly have a room, but I need a small room. I don't want the big room. There won't be that many people. And frankly, we might only get 12, <laughs> me and a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't afford food. <laughs> and I'm just going to need a big screen because I'm going to bring my laptop. Um, I'll be doing most of it, and I need a bit of space at the front so I can get people up to do things. And the wonderful lady there said, she said, I'll put you some food on, I'll do your scones, I'll do your scones and jam and a cup of tea. And the teachers were just like, wow, you know, getting scones and jam and a cup of tea. And as the numbers started to come in, and we had 49 of us, we realised it was a going concern, this little conference, So I got in touch with little linguists who I'd always loved and said, will you come along? And they came along. Um, And I always remember that first year that the person that came from little linguists just said to me, you're not really a businesswoman, are you, Janet? You're a a teacher. Because I was like, have it for free. Have it for free. Um, And it was mainly me. Um, There were probably two speakers, and one of them was Robert at the time, and the other was Mar Balsara. And they gave presentations. Um, Was it a full day? No, it was a half day. It was the afternoon. But it was a huge success, and people were leaving going, you are going to do this again next mm. year, Janet. And that's really hard, Will, because at that point, I didn't even know if the business would be there the following year. Yeah, so talk, talk, I mean, talk to me about how, how on earth you, because it's now, I mean, we clocked it, probably about 305 mm-hmm. schools that are now subscribed. We have over 100, 120 going to the conference every year, which is pro- probably its capacity, really. Yeah, well, we had 170 the year before last, and really for the hotel, it was just a bit too much. It was a bit too, so 100, unless we expand, but which you don't really want to do because we love no, working with the hotel, yeah. so it's 130, 40 yeah. is perfect. So we, we, we've capacity with that. I mean, what, what on earth did you do um, to get yourself to this position? Like, what 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 do you remember doing? Into because it must be that you must be doing a different week. <laughs> what what do you remember doing? I never stopped working really. So I used to work 24 hours of the day. Really, I used to work a lot of the time. And I'd wake up in the night and come downstairs and do something. And your dad was pivotal, really, because he had a, a really quite important job at the time, but yeah. he was my website man. Yeah. So he was helping me to put together the website. I remember I was doing other jobs as well. So I was teaching in two of the schools that were in our network. I was working at Manchester University. I was writing books on the, on the side, really, to make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was looking after Grandma because Grandma was really poorly. Um, and then I was working on Primary Languages Network, which was Janet Lloyd Network, living and breathing it. Um, and I carried all the schools around in my head. So I knew something about every school. 
Uh, and I've always been blessed with quite a good memory. So it was very much that I knew, for example, that at our ladies, it was Trisha. And Trisha had worked with me for a long time. And at Stockton Heath, it was Katie. And Katie was once my primary language at AST. And Mandy mm -hmm. Howard was a TA who was helping Katie to deliver French. And then it began to snowball. And at that point, I really needed proper systems in place. Yeah. And that's when, you know, we had to put proper systems in place after about the first year. So what, what, what? I think I know what the answer is going to be. What was the system you put in place <laughs> that helped? Uh, it, well, um, what did you do? Got your dad even more involved than he already <laughs> was, to be honest. And I would send him messages. He could be anywhere in the world, and I'd be saying, "Get your laptop out. You need to add this information," because I couldn't and didn't do it at the time. Mm. Um, and we just kept seeing it snowball. So we saw the number of network schools snowball. Um, we were then very fortunate because we, in 2013, ran a DFE project um, as partners with Warrington Teaching Schools Alliance. And Warrington Teaching Schools Alliance brought a lot to the table too. Yeah, And so we were able then to um, look after data and, and develop data. But at that point, we realised that the schools we were meeting in 2013 were saying, look, we love Janet Lloyd, right? But they didn't know me, they didn't know me from all the work I've been doing since 2013 in Warrington, mm. but we need more than pieces of paper, please. And, you know, your website crashes and yeah. we like your ideas. So we went along to the Languages show. In London. In London. London and yeah. we saw Very my cool. learnings, really, the mm. virtual learning environment. Yeah. And um, we agreed that's what we needed, but we didn't know what a machine we were getting. No, and I think only until the last couple of years, one well, year and a half, really, we've only started to really embrace yeah. embrace it fully because yeah, we didn't we didn't understand it fully. It was but, definitely better than where it was. Yeah, but the dynamics of that meant, you know, when you were talking about you saying in the associates you can see me. Yeah. It was me getting into the classrooms. Exactly, yeah. And I think that at first when we applied all your sort of thoughts and plans onto <laughs> the programme, it probably didn't have the structure required. No. To be to be there to be it was a lot better than what it was, mm -hmm. but it was certainly it, it wasn't just it never was. I, don't, I think the whole process of these seven years for you, what it seems like is it's never been just a eureka. We've gone from zero to a hundred. It's just been grinding really, yeah. just every single day, just one more, one more. Uh, I think though as well. I never thought I'd be a businesswoman. I mean, I've been no. a state education teacher all my life, and I love teaching, and I loved teaching. And I became a consultant because I wanted to help people to develop primary languages and some literacy in their classrooms. Mm. Um, and when my job went, I was crestfallen, really, because I really loved being a teacher. And starting a business was a big jump for me. So I've tried to keep being a teacher in everything I do. But I've found out by running this business that I've actually got quite a strategic mind and quite a creative mind. What I probably don't have, and I can see somebody smiling at me when I say this, is a logical mind. So I have a strange logic. And the VLE, I'm working with other people, I'm running a business, has forced me to be more logical. So over the last seven years, I think, now what we have to share with people has far more of a logical process behind it. It has my strategic thinking coming into it, but it has the strategic thinking of logical people as well. And the VLE brings us all together creatively. Yep, I, I definitely agree with that. I'd, I'd say that you're more logical than you, you really allow yourself 
to be. I, I definitely think that there's definitely logic to the way you think about how learning should be done and your beliefs in regards to how a, a scheme of work needs to be structured from the ground up. I, I just think that what Peter or dad offers to the is is a, a he is extremely logical to yeah. it and um he's a good sort of a company to to the creativity he's, he's a good foil to me isn't he really yeah he's he's very good at refining what's there but if there wasn't anything there in the first place it would quite literally yeah. just be systems it wouldn't it wouldn't have any depth to it yeah. because people have purchased or people are, are wanting or schools are wanting to be a part of this for a reason yeah. Well, I'm going to say something now, and it's going to sound pompous, but I don't mean it to be. So I meant, I told you that I won a European Languages Award, uh, and I was incredibly proud that day to represent Bridgewater, Bridgewater High School, the cluster, the sixth form that had gone out with me to develop drama in all the primary schools. But on top of that, Will, we won the Mary Glasgow Award. And for me, that was a moment in my life I'll never forget. Because Mary Glasgow, to a linguist, is such an important person. So she's not alive anymore. But um, it's a funding, it's scholarship. So Bridgewater High School got, I think, an extra £1,000 in the award because of this. She was a lady who, during the Second World War, went round Germany collecting Jewish children and bringing them to safety. Yeah, And her nephew spoke when I got the Mary Glasgow Award. And Mary Glasgow then went on to develop something that I, as a young teacher, absolutely adored, which was the Mary Glasgow Press. And she brought together like-minded people who wanted to make languages live for everybody. And she believed in communication. She believed that communication potentially would stop problems from occurring because people would be able to speak to each other. Yeah. So for me, that was the moment. Mm. So... What we are creating now Mammy, is just, just what what year what year did you win the award? Two thousand. Sorry, carry on. I think it was in two thousand. So what we are creating now, to me, will never be as great as what this wonderful woman achieved and did. But in my head, I always have those thoughts. And when you were tiny, and I was very fortunate because when your sister and you were very tiny, I had to earn some money. And I had always been very creative in my thinking and the way that I'd developed languages. And I'd started off teaching in the inner city of Nottingham where it really, you know, you had to engage the children. Mm -hmm. yeah? And sometimes I would have 20 doing French because they'd come down from upstairs because the teacher had left the classroom and my 20 doing German all in one room together. Yeah, and Mrs Lloyd had somewhat had to engage all these children. Um, and then I had babies and I stopped work and I began to work on publications for HarperCollins. Uh, and I worked with two people, Mike Buckby and Kate Corney, who were pushing the envelope with language learning. And I used to write units of work. I used to write them at night when you were asleep. So I'd already got used to working late nights. Yeah. But he, Mike Buckby, gave us a lot of training and he taught me a lot about how to teach languages. Yeah. So he explained to me that there had to be recognition. So when you were doing anything with languages, children or learners had got to recognise it first. Then they had to repeat it. Mm -hmm. Then they had to reproduce it. Then they had to manipulate it before they could produce it themselves. And those five steps have always been in my head. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I having to learn the language myself um, in Spanish, being mature, like, older as well mm -hmm. um, in regards to as opposed to learning as a kid um, mm -hmm. definitely opens your eyes up a little bit in terms of 
Well, what, you, you, if, you were t- if you were teaching a toddler English who didn't have a language, what would you expect of him? Because you wouldn't expect him to just be able to listen to what you say and speak a sentence. It takes time. Like, mm. And actually, people forget that learning a language is... Actually, the first step to learning a language is just noticing it. Yeah. So, for example, <laughs> when I spent time in Bilbao, although I can't say that I know any Basque, mm-hmm. I would be able to spot it. And somebody else wouldn't, they'd just go, it's an alien language. I would be able to tell you when I saw mm. Basque mm. as opposed to Spanish or even just see Basque on the news or something. I knew but, it was Basque. So that to me is, that has to be the first step. Like you said, recognition mm-hmm. is the first, even though people don't appreciate it, like the next time you then revisit that same word or sentence, it's more familiar than it was in the first place because you didn't even know what it was. It wasn't yeah. in your brain. No. So uh, that's definitely strikes through me, the recognition. So I think I think as well, so like the ready-made scheme of work we have now, I say to you, it's very hard to call it a scheme of work. It's a training manual. Yeah. But my thoughts around Mary Glasgow and the way she wanted to make communication accessible to everybody and she wanted to look at people who were creative and pushing the envelope and the training I got from people like Mike Bookby and Kate Corney and the work I did toward the European Languages Award it's all in that ready-made. Yeah. And um, that ready-made is my humble um, trying to be those people who I admire yep. greatly. It's it's interesting, the ready-made as well, because you really have had emphasized to me before, and, and you will do all, all the time, that it's 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 the stages. You yeah. know, you can't... I can best relate it to, say, gymnastics, or when I used to teach that, and... Um, it's very slow the progress but once you're up to a point it gets starts getting exciting because you can start manipulating mm. what you can do and build sequences and so you've done the same you've done the same things really the children have seen it they've recognized what you've got to do they've repeated it yeah but they've you, it needs to they need to reach a level of of uh, mastery on the basics yeah so, but the most amazing thing is I was watching a year five class today mm-hmm. who had been PLN trained yeah. um, without name dropping the associates. I will yeah. name, the, name drop the associates and being they had Robert one year. Yeah. They had the, then the teacher in between yeah. um, who did just follow the lesson plans yeah. in year four and then in year five now they're with Joe Hornby. Yeah. And, and one lad in the class mm-hmm. said a f- full sentence in Spanish using <laughs> conjunctions. Wow. Firstly, um, we visit uh, Barcelona, and <laughs> yeah. it was like whoa. And this is—they hadn't even really gone into depth on it. They, yeah. Joe just challenged them, so it shows that even in those first primitive parts of the VLE in the year three, stage mm. one, it may seem basic. Mm. If you can look at the bigger picture and look at the plan, the manual yeah. you're laying out for your school. Well, really, you'll see the end product in year six. Yeah, yeah. It and needs to be that. It needs to be that mindset. Yeah. And languages are like maths. Like. You have to keep spiraling up and spiraling down. And the same with PE, probably. You know, you've got to go right. These are the basic movements you need to do yeah. to be able to do whatever. Get the ball rolling. Get the ball rolling. And you know, when you were talking about you and languages, well, I find that fascinating because you're a very different mm. learner to your sister. But equally, even I look at my two little nephews. I've got one that talks a lot, and one that didn't talk till he was three. And suddenly he's coming out with full sentences and talking about crocodiles and sharks and dinosaurs and correcting us about information. Yeah. So every learner is different. Yeah. So when you produce something like ready-made, you've got to think about every learner is different. The stage the learner is at, the fact the class teacher may not be a specialist, but I don't find that a problem. I will not. No. I, no you know, I all. All, all comers, all comers can bring something to the learning. 
Yeah. Um, the fact that you've got to keep going up and down the gears. Mm -hmm. You've got to remember what they've done in the past and build on it. The fact that we're trying to make it as primary and creative and effective as possible. And actually, it's the primaries who are demanding rigour, clarity and progress. Mm -hmm. They only stay with us because they see, they see they're the making progress. progress. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's, it's, it is remarkable to see the end product. And mm -hmm. the end product is not at the end of year three. When we... When I go to the schools to deliver the PLN training, I emphasize the, the tracking sheets of the, the, mm -hmm. uh, the attainment targets. And I say, we don't expect you to tick every box in the first year. We want you to tick. This is from year three to six. Yeah. We want it done. Yeah. But this is what is created at the end of this package. Yeah. You know, These students are what mm. is created. And also, for some of these teachers, most, I think, because you're the same, you know, realize that learning a language is important. You know, you have friends in Germany. And when you go to Germany, you try and speak German with them. Yep. When you were little, you wouldn't have done. However, you would have tried to speak French when we were in France because you wanted to play football or chess or go swimming. Order a baguette. Or order a baguette or have a nice lolly. Yeah. Or go in the hypermarket and we used to just buy certain things like sweets and um, ice creams. But you now realise the importance of learning a language in your life and the joy of learning a language. And a lot of teachers have been through the same process with you where at, sometimes at high school, they've not really understood why they've been learning something. And they get out of it and they realise the wealth of opportunities that come with learning a language. And when they're working in primary school, the non-specialist will say to you, it's not that I don't believe in learning language. It's just it was really difficult when I was learning it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, d I, d I also think that one thing that really needs to be considered is when, in regards to making sure languages stays in primary schools strongly is mm. that Find me one classroom now in the UK where there's only one language spoken. Well, I agree, because I just said, we work in schools where there's 41 languages. Yeah, find me one classroom yeah. where there's only one language spoken. I should imagine that year five today, yeah. there'd have been Polish speakers, there'd have been a Spanish speaker potentially. There's one Italian speaker. Yeah. I think there's an Italian speaker in there. but And there probably was one Polish speaker in there, there just to think And we've had this conversation, haven't we, that we don't live that far away from Wales. No, you know? no. You know, we're... Some of our family live in Chester, down the road, the children speak Welsh and English. Yeah. Um, and I've used these facts before to say to you that two-thirds of the world is multilingual. Mm -hmm. Half the world is bilingual, and a third of the world is monolingual. Yeah. I don't want my family to be monolingual. And in fact, we actually now have, you know, your cousin is married to a Mandarin native speaker. Absolutely. Who speaks incredible English, and he yeah. now speaks Mandarin. He speaks really good Mandarin. You know, it's important that we step out of the monolingual bubble, I think. Or at least continue to push yeah. languages as a whole in yeah. this country. And, and primary should be about helping the children not to be fearful, giving the children the self-esteem to believe they can do it and the yeah. confidence to want to keep on trying. Because when primary languages is taught effectively in a school, children absolutely love mm just love learning the language they, mm -hmm. they I think they I, I, what I see successfully done is they go for the detective approach yeah, and it's the language detective lots of cognate work and mm. well what can what can we work with with this yeah. paragraph or something but that's what they're often doing in most of the subjects in the school in any case absolutely yeah. so think about literacy when we teach a child to read a sentence I mean they love upside down question marks in Spanish yeah. and they'll say to me why can't we have those 
because I know then how to, inter- I know how to, they don't say internet, but I know how to sound the sentence out because I know it's a question. Yeah, it makes total sense. It does make total sense. And, and it's actually um, really useful for the class teacher because they can sort of then go back and go, so why do we have question marks at the end? It is so that we do know that's a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe we do need, when we're about to read the sentence, to look to make sure if it's a question before we start to read the sentence. Yeah. But in Spanish, somebody tells you at the beginning because you've got an upside down question mark. Yeah. Um, or I also think as well it's okay to fail. I think it's quite important to fail, really. I think, you know, to not get it right, because then you've got to work out, well, what did I do that meant that I didn't get it right? Mm-hmm. And languages teach perseverance because you, if people t- listening to this will go, well, she ummed and ahed there, or she said the wrong thing there, or, well, they didn't pronounce that word the way I'd pronounce it. But yeah, it's a frequency. We it? are persevering yeah. <laughs> and we are communicating. It's it, yeah, language learning is definitely interesting, and without failure, would you wouldn't get anywhere because all you're doing when you're trying to speak a language is you're transmitting your best effort yeah. of that language. So it's only ever going to improve through time, yeah. and it's only going to ever improve through just giving. Even if it sounds really like the fir- when I first <laughs> said a conversation and had a conversation in Spanish. In the first couple of months, I thought in my head that that would have been the best way to say it. Mm. But four months later, I'm now thinking, well, actually, no, why would I have used that no. tense then? It well, there were two correct. occasions because I'm not really a Spanish speaker. The first one was, I mean, the associates and I had a joyful time when you first got to Spain. Because we were all like, oh, no, we've done something similar. Because you rang me up and went, I've just been to the bank, mum. Yeah. I've asked for my card because it was ordered. Uh, problem was it wasn't the right bank no and we were all like you know it was whatsapped because we have a whatsapp group and i mean joanne hornby and co we were all giggling to ourselves emily because we've all done it mm. um, and then a few weeks later you got in touch with me and said you'd gone back to the bank and the cashier had said to you gosh your spanish has improved yeah I remember that yeah and then the third occasion was not when we came out to see you in the October, but when we came back to see you in the May and we were at um, the art gallery in Bilbao. And there was me holding forth with my best practised phrases to ask for whatever I wanted. And you just want, you were meeting us and you just wandered up. And you just began to speak Spanish behind me. And the waiter just completely then turned away from me and spoke with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when I learned that... Fr- it sounds kind of weird, but in my head, what it means is frequency is more important. The correct frequency is more important than the correct words. Well, you have got to get the words right. You have to get the words correct, Ultimately. obviously. But if you speak yeah. in the frequency of that language, the way it is structured and the way that you sort of stress certain different syllables, it'll re- their ear will pick up on it. But you're quite a fascinating learner to me because you actually really like languages, but you didn't know you did. Because you like music and you like sound. Yes, and I'd agree with that. Yeah, so you actually have quite a good listening ear. Now, as you know, I can't sing in tune. So that wasn't the way I went into languages. I went to languages because, as you can tell, I like talking. I <laughs> I could talk, talk in another language. I'm very nosy, yeah. And I like finding out about people and things and hearing what they're doing. But these are all things that these are all things that most humans have is yeah. in, like a nose, a curiosity, yeah, uh, yeah. a wanting to meet other people. Yeah. I like words. They're all very good reasons. And to I like language. links between words. I have to see the word to to put it in my head. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I need to see it. Um, but I think you need to hear it. Where I'm more like I need to see it. I need to hear. It. I need to watch what your mouth does 
to know how to say what I don't think you do that. No, I don't need to do that. I no. just I just play around with the sounds. That's clever. You see, that's clever. So that's that's really, really interesting because again, there's another thing that we've got to help the primary teachers to understand. Well absolutely, because I in that year six, five, four, three classroom, <laughs> I'd be the a, a bright lad, but mm-hmm. still a sport centred languages on the peripheral kind of person. And there are plenty and that's why I was so happy to see that year five boy today. You look yeah. like he was a bit of a football player. <laughs> And he just his his pronunciation. I think it, it's definitely Joe and Robert's work, but mm. his pronunciation was brilliant mm. of the Spanish. And they really because with Spanish you've got to go for mm. the pronunciation. I, I find that very interesting because in the past when you asked me what I used to do, I did also go out and observe everybody, uh, and um, I did all the consultancies. We've got Catherine helping with the one to one webinars and things now, and I created the materials. So it was. Now, Emily obviously observes, and this year you are supporting Emily, but you're also playing a very different role because what you're going to do is say to me, if I was the child in the classroom that wasn't that interested, was I engaged in that lesson? Was that lesson engaging? And you'll come back and you're a very good critic of me to say, do you know what, you need to tweak that, or we need to reconsider how we do this. Yeah, do you think that the fact that the... The company you work for or you own, sorry, my apologies, <laughs> or the sort of, I mean, I'm going to say the project you're working on, which mm-hmm. is Primary Language Network, is constantly changing. Yeah. Do you think that's kept your interest in it? It has. Yeah, it has. I mean, there are bits of it now that, you know, I'm quite happy to let other people run. Um, I've got more freedom in my head now than I've had for a very long time, which I think you already know that. So that's allowing me to think about other creative possible ways forward and projects but for me now um I wouldn't like to see it not evolve and what I'm really enjoying this year is watching yourselves you know um help it to evolve in ways that I wouldn't have helped it to evolve so the sparkling lesson plan is just a very simple little thing yeah yeah but that is helping us to understand how to help the associates which will ultimately help us to understand how to help the primary teachers the mindfulness is another one the yoga things that i would never in a month of sundays have been able to achieve on my own potentially what the maybe the one of the holdbacks for you mm-hmm. is the fact that you it's so dear to your heart that you oh, find yeah. it it's my baby isn't it <laughs> that you find it difficult to receive um criticism to receive feedback upon the work you've done um but it it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that's the wrong way to go about it though because it just shows that you've really put everything you had into everything yeah. you've been putting in yeah I, I, but I but All the work I will ultimately go away think about it come back and go okay yes we'll go with that and I'm thinking about a project then it's not you know yet mm-hmm. to be announced but you know that I've had a had to really challenge myself to be able to go do you know what you're right. And we need to do something. But I've also had to have my own two penny worth in there. Absolutely. So I still have ownership. And I oh. do feel great responsibility, you see. The book definitely... Uh, it does stop with me. It does. It absolutely does. And we, uh, But I think that it's you're more often than not saying yes to ideas because the people that are suggesting them yeah. are of the mindset of you. So it, it's more often than not a very obvious progression. I mean, that is probably the loveliest thing about Primal Languages Network. That... In the main, on the whole, everybody we work with wants to work with us. 
and wants to support us and wants to support me and wants to drive forward language learning for children under the age of 11 for every child. Mm. Um, and at the conferences, the joy is when the national speakers, who we now have back in our conferences, we no longer have 49 in one room with tea and scones, we have full days and we have big conferences with the national speakers, give so much yeah. to the people in the room. They're definitely the... Um... A couple of schools last year presented what they did, and it's yeah. just incredible what they take. Like I remember, one of the videos that I created was redone. The jungle yeah. video was redone by school kids, and that really hit home for me. It was the old lady of the star on the sea, wasn't it? And Paul, okay. and that's phenomenal. I mean, and yeah, and and that's so. My greatest joy, my greatest joy, is seeing how the children, the teachers, take things and develop them for themselves. Mm. But also, my greatest concern is that it's taught well and correctly and that children are not put off learning a language and that no child sits in a classroom feeling like I don't understand what's going on here or I'm the child that's being told I can't do it mm. because that's not what that child wants and when I first came to work for, work for the primary strategy as a consultant one of the first things I was trained in I went down to consultancy training in London and it was for maths and literacy. I was the only primary languages person there in a room of about 180. I was like the dinosaur, the elephant in the room. Um, was that it's that child's only chance at that day, in that academic year, at that stage of learning, they'll ever have. Mm. And that's, that, was, that really hit home. So that was when I became a primary strategy consultant in 2004, five. Um, that really made me think that it's your only opportunity on whatever the 27th of November, at that age, at that stage in your learning. So let's make it valuable to you. Yeah, absolutely. That was huge. Okay, so what, what, where, where do you see uh, the company, yourself, in five years' time, in ten years' time? What, where do you, what, what progression? Because I know you obviously, I've, I've heard that, you say to people that you're looking at potentially trying to make a difference higher up mm -hmm. um, in vocalising what you think is important in regards to primary languages and especially with the recent political climate, looking at protecting, especially I think protection is definitely something that, protecting primary languages is something that I think, I think just being around you, I feel like that's where your passion is heading. Yeah, well I have that strap line, haven't I, forever, which is keeping the primary in language learning yeah and um well, I, if think, you've I, think, had... I think now it's turning into keeping the language learning in primary schools. yes it is <laughs> uh, but uh, i think that i you see i don't see it negatively i see it positively because i think sometimes that means that people uh, people who are doing it really well are not going to want to get rid of it why would you if it's if it's a huge success in your school why would you not want to have that and if it's helping with other parts of the learning process why don't we need to have it? So, yes, I, I, I want to make sure that language learning in primary schools is primarily appropriate, that it is successful, memorable, and that both teachers and children are proud of what they achieve. Mm. I, as a secondary teacher, want to find those teachers out there who were me, who really wanted in year seven to be talking to Will Lloyd about the football match you wanted to play on Saturday and not be saying to him, colour in those bubbles mm -hmm. or do that 
that gap filling exercise about what clothes you're going to wear at the weekend because I knew that you didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm looking for those people who want to go, let's pick them up from where they are because we now know they know the basics. Um, want people to understand that I like and learning a language to drive in a car. So I learned to drive in a Fiat Panda. And I very proudly brought the Fiat Panda back to um, where Grandma and Granddad lived in Rainford Road. And Granddad was a PE teacher, as you remember. And um, he said, that's a beautiful red car. You've got parts on the drive on the road, Janet. Take the Rover off the drive and put the Fiat Panda in its place. And I looked at Granddad and went, I can't. And he went, you can drive a car. And I went, I, I can't. He went, you have the skills to drive a car. And he gave me the keys to his Rover. And I did know about clutch control, and I obviously knew about looking in the mirrors. I remember I was reversing onto a main road near a bus stop, and I did it, and I put the Fiat Panda on the drive, and I went in and I said to Dad, I've done it. And he went, well, you have the skills to drive, Janet. And so that's what I want to happen between primary and secondary, that the language learning skills, whether you stay learning the same language or you learn another language, have been put in place solidly. So that when they go up into high school, they take the skills with them and you might change languages. So I learned French first, but it wasn't particularly good. It learned German, really got it. Came back to French and thought, love it. Yeah. And recently, because of our own family history and because of the company, have begun to pick up Spanish and understand it and mm -hmm. spent some time in Italy and realised I could do it. And it's literally moving from one vehicle of language learning to another. Much like driving, it's uh, yeah. you're much... Well, logical when dad's in the car with you. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely so, yeah. yeah. Not that coordinated either, really. Um, I think probably it's worth, uh, one person is worth a mention in recent months mm -hmm. in regards to steering the company in a good and correct direction for all of us um, is most obviously Catherine. Yeah, I well. feel like she's probably worth a mention in this first podcast. Yeah, Catherine is um, the new Peter Lloyd, really, isn't she? But she's more than that. And yeah. She brings so much to the table she's incredibly conscientious she would have been the type of primary school she's a primary school teacher she was trained as a primary school teacher um she speaks two languages other than english um she was trained at durham university she's a very intelligent young woman uh, and she'd stepped away from the primary classroom because she had young children and was just working for us as an associate yeah in fact she came to me with a school and went janet i want to work for you mm -hmm. which is, is often school. the case isn't it yeah really this is, is a school i want to work for you um, and she's worked very hard at um, building good links between coordinators and herself and between um, all the different CPD we can offer. She um, runs the network, so she's now the network coordinator. She does all the one-to-one -one webinars with the coordinators. She resolves problems on the VLA, so when people find a missing accent or say there's a wrong ending, she's straight in there and has changed it before anybody else has noticed. She's works really closely with you and I think plays a very good role because she, if she says it's good, we know it's good to go. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and she brings a dynamic to the company we didn't have before because she now, when I said once we got to about 100 network members, I couldn't remember it all in my head. Mm -hmm. Catherine's got 305 on a spreadsheet. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And therefore, nobody ever feels neglected. I think one thing that she or definitely comes across to me when I speak to her about work or what's going on is she's so passionate mm. and um, she really, really loves Primary Languages Network. Yeah, 
She really loves to Yeah, and she's really good because she is um, the person that runs the Primary Language Development Award. Yeah, um, And I feel that she is the very best person because mm. she's so diligent. Um, and I think the best stories probably were, uh, I've mentioned Robert before, he's very creative and very flamboyant and he's a fantastic teacher, but he's a bit like me where he'll, he runs a mile and then, oh, thinks maybe he should have turned left at somewhere beforehand, where Catherine wouldn't let him pass until he'd done what he was supposed to do so that St Gabriel's got the Outstanding Award. Mm-hmm. And it's tremendous that St Gabriel's got the Outstanding Award and they really deserved it with working with Robert, but it was Catherine who was like that's got to be in place and this has got to be in place. Yeah. So from a school management point of view, she's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. She's, um, I don't think the company in today's environment would be running that well without Catherine. Um, in fact, I think she's on phone calls tonight with two or three schools that would like to join us. Absolutely, yeah. And it's just the kind of thing that she just enjoys doing, Yeah, uh, which is really, really important. What have you found? I'm going to ask you a question. So you're coming to join us and work with us, yeah? Um, and you bring a whole new dynamic. What are you? What are you? What are you enjoying at the company? And what are you surprised about? Because you're working with me. Um, what surprised about you? Or surprised? About yeah, I think surprised about me and surprised about the company both. Um, this is no insult to what I thought before, but <laughs> I'm I'm surprised about how good the associate teachers are. Yeah. Um, and then that is no insult to them as they listen to this. It's. <laughs> It's more the fact that I, I observe like really great lessons, yeah. um, and I, and and that shouldn't be. It's just the level of enthusiasm of the children of, te- of primary primary languages is, is incredible, and that's something that has shocked me. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you wish you'd had that when you were younger? But, uh, not really, not really, because it's uh, you can't. Well, uh, yes, I do. And that's what I'm striving. For. I suppose that what I try and add to the company mm-hmm. in resources and ideas is what about other edges of it you know it's because l- like with the yoga yoga spanish days yoga french days we've done it's just taking the emphasis off the language learning and just focusing more on the immersion and the, just being in it and mm-hmm. understanding why you'd want to learn it because i never thought i never really until last year understood why i want to learn a language you yeah. think english is number one which is great I, I always had niche to learn a language it was definitely there from you I just never really thought it was anything. I thought everybody thought that way. Yeah. Um, maybe people do. I think everyone does. I think anyone that hasn't learned a language regrets not learning one, mm-hmm. whether it's just for their ego or whether it's because they wanted to explore. I don't know. But working with you, um, what hasn't surprised me is how hard you work, and I've always known that. Um, you've, you've always worked incredibly hard along with Dad. Dad. Um, so that hasn't surprised me whatsoever. Um, what surprised me over the years is how much respect other people have for you <laughs> <laughs> in regards to I'm uh, more the fact that you, you're just my mum so yeah. I don't see that side I don't see the professional side of you when people are speaking to you yeah. um, and when you speak in front of people as well so that's something that surprised me about you is how much respect you um, and how reliant upon the company is upon you and your ideas but we are trying aren't we and that I think that's probably the most important thing to me right now that other people oh absolutely the company but I think because I'd like to see sustainability yeah the great thing is that the people wanting to take some of the mantle are are thinking the same way as you and I feel like the, the 
the resources will change and up, mm. update and and the processes will change and update but the the philosophy that is primary language network that you created giant lawyer network will remain the same mm-hmm. um, whether you are in or out of the company that's probably what i meant about mary glasgow so mary glasgow still exists yeah she's exactly. just not there yeah and, and i'm not going anywhere but she's just not there <laughs> yeah, <I think> <laughs> she's just to, not there but, yeah <laughs> she's just not there and it's the ethos i think the ethos yeah okay so um a couple of things to before we finish um i can have my cup of tea you can finish your cup of tea off is uh, number one is have you got anything to um anything coming up that you want to update people on in terms of like are you speaking anywhere? Are oh, yeah. you... I'm speaking on Saturday, aren't I, at the uh, Northern Primary Language Show in York, for AWL. Um, I'll be down, hopefully, in Chichester in the summer. Uh, and we'll be in, I think we'll be in Havering. We'll be in Havering, we'll be in a few other places. And obviously those will be announced uh, by the people that I'm going to be speaking for and with. Um, and we'll have our own languages conference, which everybody's in, invited to on the... End of, at the end of June, and that will be on the Primary Languages Network website. Um, I've got a few new ideas in my head, even from today, that I'm going to be talking with you about, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really wanted to look at how we can push the space miles yeah. in whole new directions. Which may be announced in another podcast. Maybe announced in another time. But there's, but there's other okay. things I want to do with it. So a few chats coming up. Um, yeah. And to finish off with, I'm going to ask anybody that comes onto this webinar a couple of questions. Nothing to do with languages now. Okay. So, um, favourite food? Oh, can I have two? No, favourite food? Apples. Okay, sweet and sweet and savoury. Well, apples. Apples. Always apples. Okay. Um, and like cottage cheese. Meal. Cottage cheese. Yeah. Favourite meal? Favourite meal. That's a tough one. Uh, oh, no, it's not. Grandma's hot pot. Yeah, I agree on that. Although your new dumplings dish. Yeah, yeah that's good, but the grandma's hot pot's good. Um, okay, if you had to pick one album? If I had to pick an album. That's tough. Well, it would be Paul Weller. Oh, I'm, I'm, something from Paul Weller. That surprises me. I oh, thought, no, no, Paul Weller. What do you think I would have guessed? Uh, it could have been Queen. I would have guessed Carol King. Oh, oh, Carol King. Oh, yeah, well, my life has been a tapestry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, there's a few in the Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Mm. Um, what time of day is your favourite time of day? Mm. Well, at the present moment, it's strictly because it's half past six in the evening and mm-hmm. it's take two and I switch off to that. Actually, it's the morning. I do I do my best things in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I like morning time. Specifically, what time? Probably when I go for a run. It's about half past nine in yeah, the morning. Yeah, you're getting quite good at running um, as yeah, well. Yeah, probably about half past nine in the morning. I reckon half past nine till about eleven. Okay. Um, favorite day of the week? I like all the days of the week. <laughs> Don't have a favorite day, but yeah, in the good. autumn, I do like a Saturday. Like a Saturday. So Ask in the morning why. on a Saturday? Yeah. Is it strictly again? Yeah, it's strictly again. <laughs> Would it be a Tuesday in the in September by any chance? Bake Off. Um, no. Oh, Bake Off. Well, no, well, no, yeah, no. We'll go there. And what's your favourite time of the year? Oh, autumn time. I love autumn. autumn. time. Yeah. In a specific month? Uh, September. I think September's beautiful. It happens to be an important month in my life, but I do love September. Yeah. September. I've always liked September as well because it's the start of a new school year. Start mm-hmm. of new beginnings. So um, I think that... Thank you very much no for the first podcast. I think that you enjoyed it. And, I did, yeah. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. I feel like I've taken a lot from it. Uh, and it's, I've always, I suppose, especially over the last few weeks and years or months and years that I've been working for you, I've, mm-hmm. I, I have wanted to ask these questions and sit down with you. And we have spoken about yeah. setting up this podcast yeah. for this reason. And 
I I think that if it's just the associates listening this first yeah, time, yeah. I think they'll take a lot from this. And they'll it's enjoy ramblings, it. but there's things of nuggets of interesting information probably in the ramblings. Yeah, but I, I think that more people than you think would like to know who you are and okay. how, other than just the owner of this company. Well, how how did it happen? What is your brain like? I'm very grateful to people, though. That's really important that people know that. I am very grateful to everybody that's ever worked with me because they've all contributed to where I I am now and what we've achieved. Okay, Janet, Mum, thank Thank you very very much. Thank you. Well, that's been wonderful. I've enjoyed that. Fantastic. This is the Primary Languages Podcast.